Miss You Day Chicago is a church made of congregations rallying around the singular vision of joining God in the renewal of all things new. If you like what you hear, stay tuned for more information. So we have a guest today teaching. He's not really a guest. He's been hanging out with us for a while, and I'm super excited to have him. Um, today we're going to hear from Tony Pizarro, and uh, he is a guest uh, lecturer at North Park. He works in the Writing Center at North Park University. He's getting his um, doctorate there, um, and um, he does need like a couple of people for his uh, class to kind of give some feedback in a little group setting afterwards. Should take like 40 minutes. I think he still need maybe what two or three more. Um, and so um, I want to make it very clear that we're not having him here for him to practice preaching. We would have him here regardless because what he has to say is super important and aligns with what we're about at Missio Day. Um, so he's going to speak to us a lot about, um, some, hear his story and hear about uh, the need of justice and the, the problem of mass incarceration. And um, so we're super excited. Would you give him a very warm Missio Day welcome? Tony Pizarro, everybody, come on. So before I begin, I would like to thank you all for welcoming me in as a friend, as a neighbor, as a brother in Christ. I would also like to thank Pastor Brian for this opportunity. Last week, he stated, we began this preparation in August. In all actuality, it started back in February or March when I was invited. It shows you how God works because my message today is justice. And you begin with a justice creed. And you, everyone here in some capacity, promote and represent justice. So I would like to commend you for that. I would like to thank Brian for uh, inserting, you know, the PowerPoint, working with me, uh, trying to get it together. I would like to thank Papa for the reading and the scripture. But we'd also like to just give a clap and a thank you for the Missy O'Day team that go through all the effort and come before you all come to put this together. So if we could begin with giving them a round of applause. And then I would say, let's give yourselves a round of applause because there is someone in bed this morning who did not get up to praise the Lord, worship the Lord. So for you all who are prepared today, who have exited your homes, who came out in the cold to worship together, to be in community together, let's give yourselves a round of applause. So I would like to lead us off in prayer, uh, if you may bow your heads. God, we come to you this morning humbled and tired. We pray that we may decrease in order that you may increase. We are living in a broken world where there is war from the east to the west, north to the south. We have families who are suffering the love of lost ones because of various wars. We have communities that have been displaced that are entering into a winter with nothing but tents. We pray that you cover them, Father God, in this uncertain season. We pray that you cover the families of those who are present with us today and who are not present. We come to you because you say all who are tired, all who have burdens, should come to you because your burden is light. You do not call those whom are equipped, but you equip them along the way. We pray that you equip us that you light the fire within our hearts, that you rejuvenate our lives, that you may make whatever it is that we have stretch to become abundant in order that we may give to someone who does not have. Some may call you father, some may call you mother. To others, it may be sister or brother, 
but you say, I am who I am. And we give our prayers as a community to you, those that are said out loud, as well as those who are said, which are said in the heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this morning. Amen. So the title of this sermon uh, is I Can't Do Your Justice Work For You. You all see me today, and what you don't understand is that it has been a journey for me to get here. And the journey that I am on is continuing. And now you have become part of that story and a part of that journey. So as Pastor Brian said, yes, I'm the Assistant Director of the Writing Center at North Park University. Yes, I am a lecturer. I'm an adjunct professor at Lewis University, teaching within the prison of Sheridan, a lifelong architectural learning. I am the owner of Kintsugi LLC, which focuses on uh, asset-based community development, stopping the school-to-prison pipeline, and focusing on community work. Um, currently, as he stated, I'm going for my doctorate. I've received my Master's of Arts in Christian uh, Ministry and Restorative Arts through the School of Restorative Arts. Um, I think it's important that you understand some context before I tell you my story. Because I stand before you appearing to be polished, but you don't know that God had a plan. In the beginning, God had a plan. And even as you are, wherever you're at in life today, understand that God has a plan for you as well. So when I reflect on my journey, I thank the Lord for being my light and salvation. It was not until my sister and I began to write our book, Inside Out, Journeys of Transformation, that I was reminded of a letter that I wrote to her, February the 4th, 2009. At that time, I was being housed at a Maryland correctional facility. I was wondering how I went from pursuing my associate's degree to being sentenced to two life sentences for a crime that I did not commit. It had been five years since I was arrested. Although I was fighting for justice, I was also fighting to maintain my humanity and my dignity in an inhumane place. I met a lot of Christians along the way. However, many of them were more focused on checking their list of visiting the prisoner, visiting the sick, and evangelizing than they were with how I ended up in prison. Their intent may have been good, but their impact was disastrous. Being a light in a dark place requires inviting the Holy Spirit into the process. It was in this dark place where the Holy Spirit became a comfort unto me. The word of the Lord became a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as I wrote my dreams of traveling to the Midwest on a train in 2009. Remember, I was incarcerated, not with one, but two life sentences, which means I was a dead man walking. Who was I to dare to dream? I ask again, who was I to dare to dream? Who was I to believe that the impossible would be made possible? I tell you today that I'm a child of God, and with God, all things are possible. There was no evidence or indication that this could happen, yet I believed. Fast forward 12 years, and here you can see that I am traveling across the country to the Midwest by train. 
In that letter, I penned a vision of a career, entrepreneurship opportunities, and growing pains. My sister wrote it best when she wrote, we leaned into the prophetic nature that continues to be revealed. God always has a plan. It did not feel like it in 2009, but we continue to draw from God's trust and plan. Even when you are doing justice, you are not doing it by yourself. You are doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You are doing it in community. When we move in a justice-oriented way, we see the Holy Spirit work. In our text today, Jesus is telling another parable. This is a story of 10 women who were invited as bridesmaids to meet the bridegroom. Immediately, five of the bridesmaids are classified as wise, while the other five are classified as foolish. These classifications have nothing to do with their level of intelligence or education. According to the Hebrew terminology, it had to do with their internal sight, having an internal discernment. So let's look at the five bridesmaids and why they were called fools. They were called fools because they took their meeting with the bridegroom for granted. Otherwise, they would have been prepared. Commentators Bassett and Cohen have stated that all of the bridesmaids were instructed to prepare, yet only five of them followed the instructions. I asked you this morning, why? All the bridesmaids knew that it would be dark when they set out to meet the bridegroom. It was custom that the bridesmaids would light their lamps when the bridegroom arrived. What no one knew was that there would be a delay. As a result, they all fell asleep. It must have been a long day and an even longer night for them. According to our text, there is nothing wrong with falling asleep. We are human. It is natural. The problem was that the foolish ones failed to plan, think about possible challenges, or consider whether they had enough oil in the case of an emergency. Throughout the Bible, oil has been identified as a symbol of the Spirit. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, no one is prepared. Have you humbled yourself and prayed that the Holy Spirit enters your heart as you recite the Justice Creed? There is no credit given for just showing up, as we see with five of the bridesmaids. They had faith. They believed. They were present. We see that across America with evangelicals, with Christians. Everyone is present. Everyone has faith. Everyone believes. But throughout this text, we see that is not enough. That does not indicate preparation. What did any of this mean when they failed to prepare? I tell you this morning, there is no difference with justice. Justice delayed does not mean justice denied. You must prepare. I can't do your justice work for you. Your neighbor can't do your justice work for you. Your pastor can't do your justice work for you. We all have the same opportunities. We all receive the same instructions to be prepared. Verse 6 tells us that all the bridesmaids have fallen asleep. 
They were awakened by the call of the bridegroom. They received another instruction to come. This time it was to meet the bridegroom. After waking up, all of the bridesmaids began trimming their lamps. And for some of you children, adults, who does not know what that means, trimming of the lamps was a process. It began with trimming of the wicks, cleaning out the old oil, and removing the buildup from inside the lamp. This was done before the addition of new oil. When it was time to add new oil, the foolish bridesmaids began to ask the, wild ones, ask the wise ones for some of their oil. The wise ones responded, we only have enough for ourselves. If we give you what we have, we will run out. Have you ever been in a situation where you constantly text someone, constantly called them, constantly sent out notifications, hey, we are going to do this, make sure you have what you need. Hey, we're going to the wedding. Make sure you bring an extra pair of shoes. You know, those heels are going to hurt your feet. You know, have you told the guys, hey, you know, we're going to the bar afterwards. Don't leave your wallet. You know, I'm not paying. I'm not picking up the tab this week. You know, so I'm quite sure we all know what it's like to constantly remind someone to bring what you need. Yet and still, they are dependent upon you. In this instance, they were advised to go and buy some oil. Guess what? They followed that advice. I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes going back cannot be an option. The five foolish bridesmaids in this instance, again, were not problem solvers. So I'm starting to believe, and this is just my interpretation, that foolishness is not only an internal thing. It's the lack of the ability to problem solve. There was enough light for them to get to the dealer, which meant there could have been enough light for them to make it to the bridegroom. They could have asked to hold hands. They could have followed behind the five wise bridesmaids. Nevertheless, they chose to go back rather than forward. Sometimes in this life, even in the dark, we have to go forward. We have to use whatever is at our means. Jesus once asked the man at the, at the water, do you want to be made whole? So I ask you, do you want to go forward? Even if you are ill-prepared, Jesus forgives. He accepts us as we are, but we are required to go forward. When you think about this passage and we think about the darkness, how often do we find our way through audio? In this instance, the bridesmaids could also have listened to the voices. You don't have to give me no oil. You don't have to hold my hand, but I will trail behind you. I can hear. So when they heard the voices, the song, they could have followed that. So there was other options before them besides going back. The bridegroom is coming in the person of Jesus, and we know that Jesus is the light. These five foolish bridesmaids were looking for the light in the wrong place. Today, we have woke Christians. By a show of hands, if you know some woke Christians, you know, you can raise your hand if you know the woke Christians. And these woke Christians we have, but we also have our status quo Christians. These are our conservatives. These are our ones that hold the mantle. I call them the gatekeepers of Christianity. What do you believe to get into heaven? They don't allow you to move forward. They don't allow you to transform. They don't allow you to truly embrace Christ and become something new because they know you win. And because they know you win, they don't allow you to become something new. So I tell you all this morning, we have all been invited to receive salvation. As we wait for this salvation, we have been instructed to prepare. 
The psalmist has written that the Lord makes his ministers a flame and fire. Notice that it's with an S. So it's not singular. It's not just Jesus. It's not just me. It's not just Pastor Brian. We are the Lord's ministers. And we all have been given a flame. While when we think about this, I think about our woke Christians and I think about our status quo Christians. Some of these Christians are preparing with the help of the Holy Spirit and have started to defend the oppressed, proclaim good news to the poor, and liberate the prisoner, while others are incarcerating the nation for profit, justifying discrimination, oppressing the poor, and calling it justice. Woke people believe they are doing the work because they say the right words, they check the right boxes, and they post politically correct statements and memes at the right time. What we need to remind them when they do all of these things is that justice came at a cost, and this cost was salvation. When you follow justice, you will find yourself being countercultural, in the margins, in a light, in the darkest of places. The light that emanates from you is the Holy Spirit empowering your work. Taking steps, see, my feet is moving. Taking steps towards justice are huge steps. Nevertheless, they are often taken for granted. Even though you may appear to be walking alone, it is the Lord who keeps your light shining. It is the Lord who keeps your lamp burning. It is the Lord who turns your light into darkness, who turns your darkness into light. As with any Bible scripture, as with anything in life, there is always bad news. But the bad news is news for us to learn from. I'm here to tell you that today, this is news that we can learn from. The bad news is that the five bridesmaids returned and they were denied interest. They said the right words, and still the Lord responded that I don't know you. They were present, but they did not have a presence. Had they had a presence, they would have done more to go forward. They would have done more to be prepared. Some may miss salvation because their lamps are not lit. People think they should receive credit for showing up. Showing up is not enough as seen in Brian Stevenson's Just Mercy. An inmate on death row by the name of Herbert told Brian Stevenson that more people have asked me, how can I help you the last 14 hours of my life than any of these people asked me the beginning of my life. In response, Brian Stevenson wrote, where were these people when Herbert was three and his mother died? Where were they when he was seven and trying to recover from abuse? Where were they when he was a young teen struggling with drugs and alcohol? Where were they when he returned from Vietnam, traumatized and disabled? Or to put it in another way, for our Christian scholars, our biblical folk, I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. The woke Christians asked Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty 
or a stranger, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you. We know how Jesus responded, so I do not need to go into that. But I do want to point out that Jesus said, you did not minister to me. And the actual definition of minister is to help or care for someone or something. Minister does not mean just showing up and asking, how are you doing, without helping the person in that situation that they find themselves. This morning, as I talk to you, preach to you, and ideally bring a message that is relevant to your life, you don't have to risk being denied interest. If you say you are about justice, this is what you need to do. First, pray and welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart. Next, ask what can you do as an agent of Christ seeking to embody justice. You can live the justice creed that you are professing. There are ways to embody this justice creed. For example, I remember last week I talked to uh, church elder Suzanne about justice and how the response was that justice starts with teaching the children to serve because you don't want them to be like the five foolish bridesmaids who were looking to be served with someone else's oil. And to make her point, they're not here this week, but she pointed out Jalen as he walked down, trying to speak her. And for the members here, you know Jalen, he's little. He's just walking, pulling, side to side, is falling. And nevertheless, he was serving. He may not be older than five. So he will not be in a position of the five foolish because he had been taught in advance to not only be prepared, but to serve. And then she pointed out how the tweens volunteer with the younger kids. And the tweens named themselves that, the tweens. So when we think about the history and the things that are going on here, justice work is being done. It has been done through the children. But again, I ask, what is your role? The second thing that you can do is you can seek out ways to get involved with new initiatives that engage in seeking mercy and doing justice as Pastor Brian is doing with prison fellowship. The final thing or the final suggestion that I would make is to educate yourself. Education is free. We have all the technology, we have all the information. It's not fake news. We can actually go look up the facts, compare it. And I will ask you these questions. And as you can see up here from our slide, did you know that more than one million women are behind bars or under the control of the criminal justice system today? Did you know that women are the, are the fastest growing segment of the incarcerated population increasing at nearly double the rate of men since 1985? Did you know that many women in prison have experienced physical or sexual trauma at the hands of men? Did you know that 92% of all women in California prisons have been battered and abused in their lifetimes? Where's the justice for any of these women? Did you also know that it costs $38,000 a year to incarcerate a prisoner in Illinois, while it only costs $19,000 per year for a college education per year? Multiply 38 times 30, times 40, times 50, times the life sentence. 
and you tell me where would you rather spend your tax dollars? Would you rather spend your tax dollars incarcerating a person, or would you rather spend your tax dollars educating a person, civilizing your society, and restoring individuals back into your community? And again, we look around, but we don't know the numbers, and sometimes because we don't know, we fall victim to systems that are unjust. And the final point that I will make on this is that private prisons are contracted through the government. And even if no one is in these prisons, the government is required to still pay the bill. So it incentivizes incarceration. And if we have the women being incarcerated at a higher rate than the men, then who will produce the children in the future? Who will raise the children in the future? Who will be in our workforce in the future? So these are some of the questions that I will ask you as you determine how to educate yourself. As I bring this to a close, when we think about any system, it can be overwhelming to think that we have to do it by ourselves. But there are small things related to mass incarceration that you're not doing because you just don't know. And as you think about this, and you think about how you decipher your children, let's choose as a community to be better. Let's choose to be a light in the world. We know your children are doing this, but what are you doing? We know your church is doing this, but what are you doing? Your children can't do your justice work for you. The poor, incarcerated, or oppressed can't do your justice work for you. Justice requires more than being present. Justice is a fight. The only time justice is not a fight is when you're arresting. As Pastor Brian said last week, sometimes justice is rest. And rest can be a form of resistance. Rest is another form of preparation. It would not be right to not end with some good news. And hopefully, you know, as you all are sitting here, somber, you know, let's recognize that God always has a plan. Although it may look dark and dreary, the devil has been roaming night and day, looking for someone to devour. devour. But we know that God has a plan. See, I do not stand before you confessing that I have been able to get here by myself. When you look around, whether it's my, whether it's my friend Melissa who sent me the application and say, hey, apply to North Park and I had to learn technology within 30 days. I had to do a CV. And again, I had my friend Luann on the front row who helped me with my teaching plan. So I had to teach online a teaching demo for, to 10 people that I did not know. And then now, the supervisor of uh, Evelyn, who works at the writing center, or Claire, who was a member of the Black Student Union, and I was their faculty advisor, or my former classmate and professor, Eugenia as my former classmate, Dr. Pierre as my professor. I stand amongst you on the shoulders of those that God brought into my life, the Christians that are neither woke or status quo, but those Christians who are just all, who are present, who wrote a letter of reference, who stood beside me before they knew that the description of the suspect was someone who was light-skinned, six feet, dressed in all dark clothing. I don't care your race, I can't pass for light skin. I don't even think with heels I can even pass for six feet. <laughs> in the clothing description when I was arrested, I had on a white t-shirt, a light green coat, and blue jeans. But with, after over a decade in prison, we found out that the police withheld evidence, that the police committed perjury. 
And this is how I stand before you today when the judge apologized and she thanks the state's attorney for bringing justice in this situation. So I just want to let you all know that these individuals, even when you look at the picture, this is me on the inside and you see Emily, who's part of my PPG. See, this is a real story. This is real people who met me when. And sometimes I talk to Stanley. People will look from the outside and tell you what you should and you shouldn't do. But I'm here to tell you the good news is that God accepts you no matter where you are in life. God will take your former days and restore you in your later days. So when I stand to you before you today, I want to let you know that the good news is that my later days are greater than my former days. I have surpassed some of those who are in life who never been to prison. But God put, took me away and put me in a quiet place so I could come to you today and let you know what justice truly looks like. Because if you knew me today and you accept me today, what does that matter? Would you have accepted me then? And as you see with Emily and Dane Deborah, they accepted me in my dark place and they were a light unto that place, which allowed me to now come into this place and go to convocation as I pursue my doctorate. I would just say to you all, final thought, because I prepared and I followed Jesus, I stand before you today. Do not go back looking for the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness. We have all fallen short, but God's plan is to illuminate your path and your life in order that you will be prepared to embody justice and receive salvation. And I would like to end with a short prayer, if you may bow your head. Lord, we come to you this morning. We pray that whatever message that I have given today, that it will may find fertile hearts, that individuals will understand that you have a plan, that no matter what lays before them, you will bring people into their lives to help them carry their burdens. You will, Father God, not send out a word that does not come back to you producing fruit. We pray that you cover them as they lead the service today. We pray that they are able to worship as a community and that they are able to join each other around the holidays as a community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Missio Day Lincoln Square. If you'd like to know more about Missio Day Lincoln Square, please reach out to us at lincolnsquare at missiodaychicago.com.